0: 1 Samuel chapter 11, and we'll begin in verse 1. It says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, That I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite, that we may send messengers unto all the coasts of Israel. And then, if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers to Gilead, or to Gibeah of Saul, and told the tidings in the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, what aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings. And his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces, and sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. And then we'll drop down to verse 11, and it says, "And And it was so on the morrow that Saul... Put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered, so that there were not, so that two of them were not left together. So here we can see this was shortly after Saul had been. Uh, had been sworn in as king, that he comes here. If there's a problem with the men of Jabesh-Gilead. They reach out. They say, we need someone to save us. And then the message comes to Saul and Saul says, okay, we're going to go and we're going to do something. We're going to help the men of Jabesh Gilead. And the spirit of God, it comes upon Saul and Saul gathers all of Israel together and they go to Jabesh Gilead and God gives them an amazing victory. God does an amazing work here. Saul is able to defeat the oppressors of Jabesh Gilead. But Let's move to 1 Samuel chapter 17. So we've just seen Saul have a great victory. We've just seen God work in Saul's life. And then we come to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 1, and it says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Sokoth, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Sokoth and Azekah in Ephesdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and the target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants. We know this story. This is a very... Popular story. This is the story of Goliath, and it's 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 very popular in modern culture today. We hear about a David and Goliath situation. We hear about Goliath, and then there comes the underdog, and the underdog comes, they defeat Goliath. So when we read this story, and you know we're here, Goliath he says to the Israelites, he says, "Choose you a man, let somebody come and fight." And what happens is, you know what? We don't see. We don't see Saul. Something's wrong here. We don't see Saul coming up and saying, Hey, what's happening here? You know? Goliath should not be saying these things. This is not Saul and Goliath. That's what the story should be called. This shouldn't be Amen and Goliath. This story should be called Saul and Goliath. Because right now, Saul is still the king here. Saul is still the king here. If we, we read back in chapter 11, back in chapter 11, it said, And Saul, so when the Jabesh did that, they came, the Holy Spirit came on Saul, and Saul said, You know what? We're going to do God used him to deliver Jabesh Gilead. But now we come to this situation six chapters later, chapter 17. All of a sudden, there's another problem. All of a sudden, there's another oppressor. There's somebody else that has come to the Israelites and they say, you know what? Your God is not. You know what? We're here and we're going to destroy you, Israelites. And we see a completely different Saul. This is not the Saul in chapter 11, this is a completely different Saul. So we stopped in verse 9. Let's keep reading in verse 10. In, in verse 10 it says, "And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together." And verse 11. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. You're afraid so We can see what has happened here. This is a different Saul. This is not the Saul of chapter 11. You see, the Saul in chapter 11, he was full of the Holy Spirit. The Saul in chapter 11, he knew that God was going to do something, and God did something amazing. But the Saul in chapter 17, he's lost that fire. He's lost that vigor. It's a completely different Saul. All of a sudden, when Goliath comes, Saul says, oh, no, we can't do this. Oh, no, God, he's not able what are we going to do? So what does Saul do? He goes and he hides. Saul says, you know what? Somebody else is going to take care of the situation. Not me. God's not going to do anything through me. That's not going to happen. And because Saul is afraid, now all of Israel is afraid with him and they are terrified. And now Israel finds themselves in a bad situation. They have an enemy in the Philistines. They have a huge giant in Goliath and nobody wants to stand up to him. So Let me ask you something. What happened to Saul? Between those six chapters, verse, in chapter 11, Saul was over here. Saul said, you know what? Jabesh, Gilead, they have a problem. God, he's going to deliver us. But six chapters later, Saul is saying, we can't do it. God's not going to take care of us. So what happened to Saul between 1 Samuel chapter 11 and between First Samuel chapter seventeen, let's find out. You see, like I said before, in First Samuel seventeen, this should have been Saul and Goliath. It should have been a moment where Saul said to Goliath, "No, God is going to take care of us." But When we come to chapter 17, we have to ask, where was Saul? What happened to Saul? What happened to Saul? And in order to find out, we have to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 13. So right now we know that in 1 Samuel chapter 11, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 11, Saul, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of faith. He's trusting God. But when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 13, And we begin in verse 5. And in verse 5, it says, And the Philistines gathered themselves together. So the Philistines, this is before, the Philistines, they're here again, and it says, And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore In multitude. Basically, there was a lot of Philistines here, and they looked terrifying. And we read on it says, And they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from Beth Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets, and in rocks, and in high places, and in pits, and some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And Saul tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So now we have to ask, why was Saul in Gilgal? And why was seven days important? You see, because it says, when we go back to chapter to verse seven, it says, and he was yet in Gilgal. That's Saul. Saul was in Gilgal. And then in verse eight, it tells us he tarried there seven days. So why was seven days and Gilgal important. Now for that we have to go back to 1st Samuel chapter 10. And in verse Samuel chapter 10 in verse 8, this is Saul or Samuel. He's talking to Saul and he says to Saul, and thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal and behold I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offering seven days if you remember seven days this is Samuel talking to Saul he says seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do so when we go back to chapter 13 we can see that Saul was in Gilgal because Samuel said look go there and wait seven days and I will show up in seven days and then we will will sacrifice to the Lord. So, Saul goes to Gilgal, and he's waiting there. Now, you have to remember, Saul is waiting there, and he also has a huge problem in his midst. You see, because he's waiting there, but over there, there is a huge army of Philistines. This is not just a couple of ragtag Philistines. This is their entire army. If you remember, there were 30,000 chariots. There were six thousand horsemen and there were people as the sand of the sea there was a lot of people and all of the Israelites they were trembling and they were afraid now Saul is here and Saul is saying okay in seven days Samuel is going to show up and everything is going to be okay that's what Saul is thinking here he's saying okay it's going to be fine in seven days Samuel is going to show up so can you imagine your Saul you wait the first day you're like okay Samuel, he doesn't show up. It's fine. He said seven days. Seven days, he's going to be there. The second day, he doesn't show up. You're like, okay, it's still good. He said seven days. The third day, Samuel doesn't show up. You know, maybe you're starting to get a little bit anxious. You're saying, okay, the Philistines are there. Samuel's going to show up. So the fourth day, Samuel doesn't show up. And you're like, okay, it's fine. We, We still have seven days. The fifth day, the same thing. Samuel doesn't show up. But now you can imagine you're starting to get a little bit nervous because now the Philistines, they're looking a lot more terrifying. They're looking a lot more scarier. Their problem is starting to get a little bit bigger. And now it's the sixth day. Samuel doesn't show up. And now, you know, things are starting to get a little bit tense. You're saying, okay, it's the sixth day. He's still not here. We got one more day. You know, things things are still okay. But then... The seventh day comes. And now things are starting to get very tense because this is the seventh day. The Philistines are over there. We have a problem. Eventually something is going to have to happen. The seventh day, now you're waiting. You're looking out and you're seeing. And Samuel still hasn't shown up. Samuel said seven days, but he's not here. Where is Samuel? So now you're starting to get a little bit anxious. We're starting to panic a little bit. We're starting to say, okay, Samuel said he's going to come, but he's not here. And you see, when we think about that in our own lives, you see, we know that God, he answers prayers. We know in our heads that, you know, God, he's a God that loves us. You know, we know that in our minds that God, he wants to take care of us. We know in our minds that God, he wants to provide for us. But sometimes, you know, we get to be a little bit like Saul. Sometimes we pray, but it seems that, okay, God doesn't answer the first day. And then we pray some more and we say, okay, God, you know, I still trust you. It's the second day. And, you know, we pray the third day. God still hasn't answered. And we pray the fourth day. And, you know, now things are starting to you. We say, you know, God, are you listening to my prayer are you, you know, are you ignoring me? What's happening? And then, you know, we pray the fifth day, and we still haven't gotten our answer. We still haven't gotten what we're looking for. And then we pray the sixth day, and, you know, now we're starting to get a little bit anxious. Now we're kind of like Saul. We're starting to say, okay, you know, God, are you, are you listening? You know, is, is something wrong here? Is, are, we, are we out of tune? Is the frequency bad? And then, you know, we get to the seventh day, and now... You know, we're kind of like Saul where we're fidgeting and we're saying, you know, God, what's going on here? What's happening? Are are you really going to answer? Are you really going to show up? Are you really going to come? But, So now there was two options. So you see, Saul, he had a choice here. He could have said, you know, Samuel said he's going to show up. So I'm going to believe that Samuel is going to show up. Or he could have said, Samuel said he's not, he's going to show up, but he hasn't shown up. So you know what? I got to take things into my own hands and I got to do it my way. And we have the same choice, too. You know, see, sometimes we have a crossroads, you see. Sometimes you feel like, is God really going to answer my prayers? So are we going to keep trusting God or are we going to say, you know what? Maybe I want to do it my own way. Maybe I'm going to just take things into my own hands. So let's see what Saul chose. And then we go, so we're in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 9. And it says, And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him, and Samuel said, "What hast thou done?" And Saul said, "Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not when the days within the days appointed that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash; therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal." And I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. So we see here what Saul chose. Saul said, okay, Samuel not here yet. I have to take things into my own hands. And, and that's, that's what he did. And he offered the sacrifice. Now that seems like a small thing. But by Saul doing that, he went against the commandment of the Lord. You see, because before, the Lord had said that the sacrifice was supposed to be offered by Levites. And it just so happened that Saul was not a Levite. So by doing that, Saul is saying, okay, I'm going to take things into my own hands. You see, maybe God can't answer my prayer, so I have to do it for God. Maybe I have to help God out a little bit here. Maybe I have to just nudge God in the right direction and help him out. But by doing that, Saul is saying, you know what? God, I don't trust you. God, I don't believe that you can supply all my needs. God, I don't believe that you fulfill, that you will fulfill your promises. God is, Saul is saying, I have to help God because I don't fully trust you. And we can see the result of that. Saul, he took the, he took the sacrifice. He offered it himself. But when he did that, what happened? Samuel, he showed up when he said he was going to show up. But he showed up just a little bit after Saul's faith had vanished. You see, faith is something that it has to be tested. It has to be stretched out a little bit. It has to be tested in order to grow. And that's what God will do. God will put us in situations where he has to test our faith, or he has to give it time to grow, or he has to give it time to expand. He'll put us in uncomfortable situations. But those uncomfortable situations, those are what grow our faith. Those are what strengthen us. That's what push us. And that's the situation that Saul was in, because we have to remember that this wasn't just a a walk in the park. Saul, he had the entire nation of Israel looking to him. He had the Philistines on that side. But in this moment, Saul's faith was just a little bit too small. Saul didn't have the faith. He lacked faith. He didn't trust that God would be able to provide for him. He didn't trust that Samuel would show up when he said he would show up. What are we Like Saul, do we have the faith? Are we trusting in God, or is our faith just a little bit too small? Are are we going to trust God when things get tough? But that wasn't Saul's only problem. And when we go to 1 Samuel chapter 14, 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 20 says, And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them into battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day. And the battle passed over unto Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, So, uh, that I may be avenged of my enemies, so none of the people tasted any food. So, while God is giving a great victory here, you see, Saul, he cursed the people here. Saul, he put a curse on the people. He said, You know what? None of you are going to eat until we have won this battle. But what that did is that weakened the Israelites, is that put a hindrance upon them. And you see, each and every single one of us, we have been cursed. And that curse is the curse of sin. You see, from birth, we are born with sin. And that is a curse that has been put upon us. And the only way for that curse to be lifted on each and every one of us is for us to be forgiven by Jesus. Now, if that's something that you have never experienced in your life, then that is a problem because the result of that curse that we have been placed upon, the result of sin in our lives, is that eventually we, if, if we die and we've never taken care of that or we've never addressed that, then the result of that is that we are going to end up in hell. And that's something... That God didn't want. So what God did is He sent Jesus Christ, His only Son, God in the flesh. He sent Him, and Jesus He lived a perfect life. And in order, and the reason He did that was so that He could die for our sins. And why that is so important is because without Jesus' sacrifice, there is no way for us to have our sins forgiven. And something that's that's, that's that happened to me that was very amazing is. When I was a younger, my mom, she used to take me to church. She she used to send me to different churches. And one of the things that I didn't even realize it is that for the longest time, for 16 years, I went to a church and I never heard the gospel preached at that church. I've never heard, you know, somebody say, hey, you know, Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins. Now, the reason that you are a Christian is because of Jesus Christ. You know, I, as a child, I just thought, okay, you know, you're Christian if you go to church, okay? As long as, you know, you hold the Bible, that makes you a Christian. As long as you go to church, that makes you a Christian. For the longest time, that's what I thought made a Christian, but that's not true. And eventually, you know, somebody, they came and showed me, they said, hey, you know, the only way for somebody to actually become a Christian is for you to have your sins forgiven. And in order for you to have your sins forgiven, you have to place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you carry around a Bible. It doesn't matter if you go to church. You see, for the longest time, I went to church for the longest time, you know, I carried around the Bible, but that's not what made me a Christian. Eventually, you know, like I said, somebody came and they showed me the way that you become a Christian. Now, if you have never asked God to forgive your sins, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then you are not a Christian. It doesn't matter if you come to church. It doesn't matter if you sit in the pew. Only until you have Jesus Christ in your heart, only until you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, then are you a Christian? You see, Saul, he placed a curse upon the people. And unfortunately, when we live in this world and we live in sin and we, Jesus Christ, hasn't forgiven our sins, we have a curse upon our lives. And, you know, if you have never had that curse lifted, that's something that God, he wants to take care of, that, 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 that God, he wants you to take care of, you see? In the verse we read, you know, that the people, they were discomforted. That they were uncomfortable. You see, something that God does is, you know, he has the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. He has the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And, you know, you'll sit there and you'll feel a little bit uncomfortable. You'll sit there and you'll feel a little bit uh, discomforted. And that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, come to Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you need to have your sins forgiven. That's something that's never happened to you. That's something that you need to take care of. So we can see that Saul, he lacked faith. Saul, he cursed People. So let's continue. And we go to first Samuel and Chapter fifteen. And in first Samuel chapter fifteen and verse one it says, Samuel said unto Saul,
1: The Lord
0: sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remembered that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid in wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and women, infant and suckling, oxen, sheep, camel, and ass. And we go to verse 9. And in verse 9 it says, But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Another problem that Saul had is half-hearted obedience. You see, when God gave Saul a command, God said, you know what? I want you to utterly destroy this. I want you to make sure that this is completely gone. But when Saul, he came to the situation, he said, you know what? There's a lot of good stuff here. You know what? Maybe I don't need to get rid of everything. We can keep some of this stuff. And he said, you know what? We're going to use some of this stuff for the ministry. We're going to use some of this stuff for the Lord. You know, we could sacrifice some of this stuff to God, you know? If we keep a little bit, you know, God will still be happy because we're using it for the Lord. So Saul, when God gave him command, he said, okay, I, I could do a little bit better than God. Ah, uh, you know, I don't need to get rid of all of this. I can keep some of it. And that's what Saul did. He went and he saved the best of the sheep. He saved the king, even though he wasn't supposed to, you know, and Samuel came, eventually, and Samuel said, Saul, what are you doing? And Saul said, look, Samuel, everything is great. Look what I did for the Lord. I saved all this stuff for God. And Samuel, he looked at Saul and he said, Saul, what are you doing? You are half-heartedly obeying God. God doesn't like half-hearted obedience. God doesn't want half of our heart. God wants our whole heart. And? When we look at ourselves and we think about ourselves, we can say, you know, is there anything in our lives that we can say, hey, God doesn't want that in my life. Is there anything in your life that God, you know, he's working on, that God's tugging your heart He's saying, hey, maybe we need to get rid of this. Maybe we need to take this out of our lives. Maybe we don't need this in our lives. Is there anything that you have that God is saying, hey, get rid of that, you know? Are you like Saul? Are you saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I can use this to serve the Lord. Maybe I can take this and. I can use it for the ministry. I can use it for God. You know, sometimes we're a little bit like Saul. We say, hey, you know, God, I know you want me to get rid of it, but I can use it for you. You see, God, he doesn't like half-hearted obedience. God doesn't want half of our heart. God just doesn't want a tiny bit of our heart. When God, he wants us to follow him, he wants us to follow him wholeheartedly. And sometimes, you know, God, he tugs on our heart and he says, hey, maybe this is something that you need to get rid of. God, he, he wants us to trust him and to follow him and say, hey, you know, God, I don't know why, but I'm going to get rid of this. God doesn't want us to, you know, keep part of it and get, get rid of part of it. That's what Saul did. And that's part of what destroyed Saul because he said, hey, I can keep part of it and I can get rid of part of it. But that's not what God wants. God, he wants all of us. God, he wants our whole heart. He wants us to follow him wholeheartedly. Is there anything in your life that, you know, God has been working on, he's been tugging on you, he's been saying, hey, let's get rid of this. Hey, let's take care of this. Hey, get this out of your life. Are you going to be like Saul and only get rid of part of it? Or are you going to get rid of all of it? Are you going to follow God wholeheartedly? We'll move on to the last one. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14. And it says, But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Now here we see that the spirit of the Lord has departed from Saul. Now, as Christians, God, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But what can happen is, you know, we can lose the power from God. We can lose, you know, the, the power that God wants to have in our lives. And, you know, when we look at Saul, we can see that he wasn't very close to God. His relationship to God wasn't very strong. And, you know, when we bring that home, and we bring that to us, you know, are we close to God? Do we have a strong relationship with God? You know, when God says, hey, have you been close to me? Have you been reading my Bible? Have you been studying? Have you been taking care? Have Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Can we say, yeah, God, I've been close to you. Yeah, God, you know, I'm, I'm right where you are. I want to be where you are. Or are we more like Saul, where, you know, God's departed from us a little bit we've departed from God and we're not really reading our Bible we're not really into the word we're not really praying we're not really seeking after God God's not really on our minds God's not really on our heart and you see that's where Saul went wrong God wasn't a priority in Saul's life that's why when push came to shove Saul and the Philistines were over there and Saul said okay I don't really trust God. Where did that come from? Saul wasn't close to God in the first place. When Saul cursed the people, where did that come from? Saul, he wasn't close to God in the first place. And you see, every situation that we come to in Saul, it's all that Saul, he wasn't really close to God in the first place. So if you're going through something, if you're struggling, if God has put you in a tough situation, can I ask you, are you close to God? Are you working on your relationship with God? Is God a priority in your life? Or is God kind of distant? Is he kind of far away? You See, that's what Saul struggled with. God was never a priority for Saul. So, finally, when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we read through the verses again, and Goliath comes out, and Goliath says, hey, you know, choose you a man. Send him out to come and fight me. And Saul is there now. And we can see that Saul, he's not close to God. He's lost the power. You know, he's, he's, he's lost the passion. And now Saul, he's out there and he's hiding. And he's saying, you know what? Not me. No, not me. But there was somebody that heard heard those those words and said, yeah, I'll take care care of it. You see? The person that came, they weren't even in the army. What happened was his dad said, hey, you know what? Take this food for your boys over there. And so he did. He grabbed the food, he put it on his cart or whatever he used to transport it, and he was walking, you know, having a great time. And all of a sudden, he hears something, you know? He hears the voice saying, hey, Israel. I defy your God. I defy your army. You guys are nothing. And he hears that and he says, no, this is wrong. I'm not going to stand for this. What is he doing defying God? What is he doing defying the armies of Israel? And the boy, he goes to the king and he says, king, we got to do something about this. And the king says, yeah, okay, you know, take my armor. But then he says, no, your armor is not going to fit me. I'm going to go out there and God, he's going to take care of me. God, he is going to make sure that we get the victory because God is not going to stand for this. God's not going to stand for somebody slandering his name. And the boy, he goes out there, no armor. He's not in the army, but he believes that God is going to take care of him. He has the faith that God is going to provide the victory. And that's what happens. And we know the story. It's David and Goliath. David goes out there. He defeats Goliath. And when they ask him and they say, hey, David, you know, why do you have the faith? David, he says, hey, God took care of me before. When a lion came, God gave me the power, and I slew the lion. When a bear came, God gave me the power, and I slew the bear. So what difference is this? He might be more ferocious. He might be more scary. What? God took care of me in the past, and God's going to take care of me again. You see, David, he was described as somebody that was a man after god's own heart and that's where david's power came from david he was close to god so when a problem arose david he had the faith god was with him because he was close to god but when we see saul saul was in the same place in the same situation but he didn't have the power he wasn't close to god So when when the problem problem came, Saul, he cowered in fear because it's not us. It's God. You see, when we rely on ourselves and we look to ourselves in order to try and get past the situation, we can't do it. We're going to fall short. And that's what happened to Saul. Every time he tried to rely on himself, he fell short just a little bit. But David, he wasn't relying on himself. He came to the difficult situation and he said, God's going to take care of me." And what did God do? God took care of him. And with that, I'll close. So it's basically, we can either trust in God or we can trust in our own abilities. Now, we can see the difference. Saul, he trusted in himself, and it destroyed him in that. But David,
1: he trusted in
0: God, and God was able to use David and to be with David, and David did amazing things. Incredible things, because he was close to God. So we have a choice. Are we going to be like Saul and try and do things ourselves? Or are we going to be like David and just draw closer to God and trust God to take care of us and trust God to be there for us? The choice is ours.